This is the Young Professionals Podcast, proudly brought to you by Adapt Careers, where we speak with young professionals to understand what they do in their roles day to day, how they got there and what they've learned along the way. My name is Luke Marriott. And I am Nicholas Sargent, better known as Sarge. And we are your co-hosts. Sarge, what do our listeners need to do? To stay up to date and support what we're doing, please subscribe, like the episode and leave a comment on any of our social channels. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Young Professionals Podcast. Today, we are speaking with Kyle Jordan, who is a graphic designer at the Hawthorne AFL Football Club. Kyle started out his journey studying communication design and graphic design at Swinburne University, where he enjoyed a final year focusing on a real world innovation project, which we're really uh, keen to get into today. Kyle has a quite unique journey of getting into the graphic design industry, uh, and he strongly believes in giving things a go and learning from what doesn't work before taking your next shot. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. This is exciting. All right. Well, we're really happy to have you on. Why don't you spin us through to start off through what to start off with what a graphic designer does and what that role looks like at a massive AFL club? Yeah. So I guess graphic design can almost be like there's oh, you can always have three different legs to it. There's almost the studio side where you're working, you know, for for brands and that sort of stuff. So um, you could be at a design studio where you have a different bunch of clients and you're in advertising and maybe you're working on something for, you know, a makeup company one day and the next day you're doing something for, you know, Optus or Telstra. There's that sort of side of graphic design. And then there's obviously the freelance side of things as well. So that's when, you know, you're working for yourself. Um, a lot of people can make some, some good money doing that sort of stuff because, you know, you charge your own rates, you charge your own hours and um, a lot of people enjoy that sort of stuff, managing themselves. And then the side that I'm in is, is in-house. So working at Hawthorne, I'm the designer at Hawthorne. My only client is Hawthorne, obviously different little departments within there, but the brand's the same. Everything's the same look and feel. So that's how, that's how I run with graphic design in-house. Do the colors brown and gold really get you going? Yeah, gold, gold's a good one to work with. You often, um, with the brown, like, you know, you guys would know as Hawthorne fans, like sometimes, sometimes gets referred to as the poos and the wheeze, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you can, you can make a little adjustments on there. So in graphic design, you can add some, some textures to things. You can darken some things off. You can sort of, you know, add, add some gold foil as opposed to it being the, the gold of Hawthorne. So a lot of versatility within the colors. We've seen some pretty slick, uh, Instagram posts come out over the last couple of years. So I think we can, we can see that you can definitely use the colors to your advantage. Yeah. Yeah. There are some clubs that, um, you know, have, have white in their color scheme and that almost has a challenge, has a challenge in itself because you once you're using white, like we Hawthorne can use white because it's with brown, gold and white's just a neutral color. But if you're using white and say North Melbourne, you got white and blue and you're just sort of stuck with those. Don't have any sort of versatility. No white backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, there's a heap to jump into there, I think. And um, to the extent that you're comfortable talking about it, we can kind of talk about the differences between, say, the in-house and the uh, working at the agency and, and freelancing. But do you want to talk about what a kind of day-to-day role working in an in-house environment looks like and kind of what what your role is at, at the footy club? Yeah. In, in footy, I'd say it's a little bit different to most sort of in-house sort of styles because basically like we're servicing the AFL and the, and the team and, and the club and that all comes down to the season really. So in season work is different to out of season work. And, um, you know, once you're in season, your Mondays are normally pretty much the same most Mondays. So you're wrapping up the game, 
Um, you know, if you, if you've had a, a 50 point win, you're obviously pumping out heaps of content and you're getting lots of engagement, all that sort of stuff. But you know, Hawthorne over the last couple of years, but more, more so on the 50 point losses. <laughs> so that, that sort of stuff is just, you know, looking at the little wins that, that players are having and you're not trying to, you're not pumping out, you know, our best 10 goals in the weekend just passed because you know, fans aren't going to be happy with that. You got to really delve into what, what the brand is at that point in time and what the fans are going to respond to. Highlight CJ's 10 rebound fifties. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's exactly it though. Cause you know, that's the stuff that especially Hawthorne right now, like we're all about our, our youth and excitement. So if, if that's stuff that fans want to see, that's the stuff that um, we'll give them and we respond to that. I was just going to say, where does the graphic design, um, I guess, function sit in the, a, a business in-house? Like, is it within marketing? Yeah, it differs from other, other clubs that I've spoken to. It, it differs where within the marketing team and we work closely with content and Hawthorne. Um, so, you know, there'll be me and another graphic designer, um, a couple of digital marketers, and then our marketing manager, that's our, you know, sort of small knit team. But then alongside that, we work pretty closely with content and the video side of things. And, um, you know, but then you got all the other departments. So for example, we've got events, community, um, you know, sponsorship, you've got, um, even finance and these things from here to there. Memberships, a massive one. Um, merchandise, like all the different departments all have things that need to be, you know, designed as such. And that's something that you know, going to an AFL club, you don't really think about. Yeah, that's where I was kind of getting to that. Like it sounds like you would have demands coming of the graphic design team or small, however big the team is from kind of all different angles. How is that, um, how does that work functionally? in the day-to-day role? Like, do you get tickets come through from different teams saying we need this by the end of today or what does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's, it started when I, when I first started the Hawks, we were very, um, we we're very good with like a briefing system and like we'd almost allow like, you know, someone would brief us something and we'll give them two weeks and we'll get some changes back to them. We'll, you know, go back and forth. Um, but the workload's, you know, picking up a bit more now and um, a lot of it comes through emails, chats in the office and, you know, you just got to look after your, your, your workload and keep those deadlines, you know, in perspective and just have lots of conversations with the people that need things. And it, it is like that. They'll, they'll come through with what they need. You'll often have like a little meeting around it. Um, if a community program, for example, needs an A4 flyer that's got to go out, but then an email as well, you know, to correspond to teachers at a primary school, then, you know, you, you talk about those sorts of things and, um, you know, give them the, the designs that they need, they go do their end. And then if they need anything followed up, then, the brief keeps going. Oh, have you found since you started that your workload has increased because um, social media just continues to grow as a um, platform for marketing and distributing information? Yeah, definitely. Like social is huge. When, when I first started, you know, you were only putting up maybe a couple of posts a week. A lot of it was mainly photos and a few videos and things, but you know, there's a lot of power in, you know, designing your feed as you guys would know with podcasts and stuff like there's requirements for, for everything. Then social media is definitely one of the, one of the things. Um, but I think the workload across AFL in general, just, is just going to keep growing and teams are going to get um, bigger. You know, there's other AFL clubs that have three graphic designers. We're currently with two. Um, but the best graphic designer in the AFL though. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Carl, is it an exciting 
environment to be in and uh, that probably sounds like a bit of a dumb question but i remember speaking to reuben williams this is you know, 20 episodes or so back now but he was talking about how particularly sport clubs in the u.s go so above and beyond in terms of how they're going to make things you know more special and, and more engaging and everything and I, that also i think translates to social media and the graphic side of things like are you seeing that um kind of come to fruition in australia now like are you being challenged or encouraged to kind of break the barriers and think differently and do cool stuff yeah you've you've almost got to be because you know in this little tiny world of afl and design you're always looking at what other clubs are doing and you know how how one club's going around there about their being especially during lockdown like you know with with some clubs not being able to do in-person best and fairest nights um you know, how can you make that look as real and as in-person as it can be for the viewers that are watching it digitally? So like, you can't just have like a Zoom conversation like this and do your benefit that way. Like, how can you make that special for the fans? So they don't just seem like they're getting, you know, just a Zoom conversation, but everything's, you know, you got to push the boundaries. Um, you know, there's so much out there, especially NFL and those sorts of American sports. They're always at that top level and, you know, those sorts of technologies will eventually feed their way through to the AFL and all the other Australian sort of sports and other sports around the world. But um, you often do look at other sport, sporting codes in different parts of the world and what they're doing and how they're interacting with their fans, how they're making their game day experience like top tier. And then we try and, you know, either emulate that in the Hawthorne way or try and, um, you know, take some things out there and give the best experience we can to our fans. Carl, you mentioned technology there. What sort of tools are you using in your day-to-day when you're doing all your fantastic graphic design? Um, well, my favorite would actually be I don't use a mouse. I've got like a little a pen and a trackpad thing. So it's like, yeah. I don't know if you guys can see that, but I, yep. I use that. So I, I draw pretty much everything. Um, but there, there's different technologies everywhere, AR, VR, that sort of stuff's going to keep popping up and, you know, that world is just going to be ever growing and that's where you know design is going to take itself and there's different skill sets that you need for that so that's something that i'll have to teach myself but you know there'll be, there'll be kids that are 15 16 now that are deep into that world already and give them a few years time and they'll be looking at this sort of stuff and being like yeah i can do that easily and i'll be like cool join the team <laughs> <laughs> i think that attitude of oh cool you can join the team is a is a good one to have because it's like well you you can pick that up a bit quicker than me and, and help me learn it as opposed to seeing those people who are uptaking the technology as a threat well exactly and that's i think that's a, a big thing with any sort of role as well like you don't have to be the guy that can do everything if you're great at you know creating these amazing graphic posts or you're really good at doing publications, for example, then if you're really good at that, do that and love it. Don't, don't spread yourself so far that you're not like, you don't feel like you're, you know, going to excel at one thing. Like really just, if you're good at something and you love it, stick to it and you'll find a, you'll find a place in any sort of role where you can do what you're doing. That, that, that's interesting. Cause it goes to the topic uh, thing that we've had a, a chat about, a bit where I can't remember the exact analogy, but you'd rather be um, very, very good at one particular thing rather than take the the T approach and be kind of okay at heaps of things, but never really go deep on any of them. Like, is that, yeah. is that just your opinion, do you think, or is that the, the standard approach in the industry? I think, I think especially while you're, while you're at uni, definitely test all the waters on everything because you might not know 
you might not know what you like until you actually find it. And that could be something that you don't learn at uni. Like I learned majority of the stuff that I do day to day on my job in the job. And I assume you guys might be the same. Like you learn so much more when you're, when you're doing, but unless you're testing yourself and trying new things, you might not know that, okay, I, I really enjoy doing this. I really want to upskill myself on that. And just specifically on those that when you're saying get good at this thing, are you talking, you know, um, like software in the Adobe suite, for example, or yeah. other, other programs like that? Yeah. It, it mainly does come down to, to programs and what you can use. Like a big one for me, you know, uh, the this, this standard three within any sort of graphic design role, your Photoshop, InDesign and your um, Illustrator. And those are like your, your, your sort of three core programs. And on top of that, you've got um, After Effects, which is something that I taught myself. And that's basically video and animation and, and that side of things. And that is something that you look at as a designer. You're like, cool, you can not only just do the graphic and have it like a nice pretty picture, but if you can make that move and you can make, you know, the, the text do something that's going to, as for example, social posts, if you're scrolling and you see something like that and it's moving and it's visual and it's impactful, like you're going to stuff on that for a bit more. You're going to give it a bit more attention. And that's, that's what the algorithm is all about. <laughs> attention. Hey, <laughs> yeah, cool. And I think with that, like it, 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 this again might sound like a pretty straightforward question, but there seems to be a lot of potential for you to be creative in your role rather than just taking directions from the marketing team saying, Hey, we need this and this exact specification. And you just pump that out and that's your job done. Like, is there a bit of leeway to say, Oh, I saw this club in the U S do something cool. I'm going to try that for the next social post. Like, is that part of your job as well? Yeah, it, it definitely is like research from all different sort of sporting codes is, is necessary. And like, you could, you could come up with something that you absolutely love and you think it's, um, super cool. And you can adapt that to your, to your brand and the Hawthorne brand, for example, and, you know, you're never going to get bad feedback on something that you'd give it a go, like try it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least you, you know that, but, and you could up, upskill yourself in, in trying stuff out. Like you're never going to, you never, it's not going to be detrimental to yourself if you give something a go. So I think that's a big one. I was going to talk about this later, but I think it's relevant now. Like, do you want to just talk a bit about your design by Kale um, stuff that you're doing on the side? Like you've got your own Instagram page and you're doing some really sick stuff with kind of the sporting, I guess, flavor to it. Is that like, what was the reason for that? Was that to get good at particular skills and you can kind of translate that into your job as well? Yeah. So that, that sort of originated during lockdown last year. So, you know, obviously having a bit more time on your hands and, um, you know, trying to, trying to upskill yourself. You, you, you look at other people that are doing similar things, you know, you get talking to them and then that, that was basically an outlet for me to, you know, try those experimental things and, you know, watch a few YouTube tutorials on how to do this certain thing and um, learn that and implement it. And then some of the stuff I, I would take over to Hawthorne and it would work and it would, um, it would suit the brand that, we, that we've got. And yeah, it's a great, uh, I think that's for anyone, for anyone listening that's doing this sort of graphic design stuff, like, just, just try stuff, put it out there. You never know who's going to come across it. Just, you know, get engaged with that sort of community, especially in sport design. There's a big sport design community on Instagram, online. Um, so just get involved and, you know, just start chatting to people. Like when I first started that account, um, posted a couple of Hawthorne things on it and the amount of like kids that were maybe 16, 17 asking me for advice just because they realized that I was one of the designers at Hawthorne asking me for advice on what to do, where to go to uni, all sort of stuff like that. And, you know, it's nice to know that people, one, want your opinion on things because you're in the industry, but it's, it's great to actually give these kids some, um, 
some advice and like some of the stuff that they're putting out is, you know, amazing, but you just got to put it out there to start. And Kyle, I think you've, you've given us a beautiful segue into your educational journey. And um, I promise everyone listening that that wasn't scripted at all. <laughs> you studied your communicate your communi- you studied communication design at Swinburne Uni, and like we went to school together at St Kevin's, and you, you've always excelled in the design um, field. How did you choose um, that particular course at Swinney? Um, I was it was probably because I got knocked back from advertising at RMIT. <laughs> I got the, oh, wow. the, the, the second stage, and I was like, ah, oh, that was sort of what I wanted to do advertising side of things, I really had that sort of, um, you know, conceptual ideas sort of mindset of, on things um, in terms of the actual school, uh, the skills on the tools. I was more like, okay, ideas are up here. So I thought advertising was going to be where I was going to be headed. Um, and then, yeah, didn't make it through to the third stage of RMIT. So then um, one of our mates, Kieran, he was doing this course at Swinburne. So, and we did a lot of stuff together during, during our time at St. Kevin. So, um, went along there with him. We both did our first year together and both took our second year off. Um, so then had that, had that gap year. That's when I think we all went over to Thailand and did that big trip. So after a year off, year off study, I just wanted to get one year down. Um, so I was locked into something and then took a year off, did a bit of landscaping, you know, stepped away from design completely and took a year off and then came back the year after, um, got stuck into it, finished off my, uh, bachelor of communication design, but then, I wanted to do something more and they had this course at Swinburne, which was called, uh, it's called design factory. And it sort of brought it back to that more conceptual mind sort of stuff. I was, um, hoping to get out of, you know, advertising, but this is more about, you know, you're given a, a, a product and you have to create, um, you have to create something around that. So like, for example, we were given these flexible solar panels from CSIRO and we had to create a product out of that. So, throughout the whole year where you came up with this like, you know, self-watering like indoor plant that would have these like this blind that would just sort of, you'd pull it shut and the front would plant would water itself during, during solar, um, using solar power and all sort of stuff. And I could sort all this energy. So we came up with that and that was completely different to anything that I'd done in the prior three years of doing communication design. It was just nice to step out of your comfort zone and, you know, spending nights in like the, the woodworking lab trying to build this thing wasn't something that I imagined would be part of my process of graphic design, but you know, you learn a lot of things from that. And, um, and that, that like, once again, it goes back to like just trying new things. Did that spark anything in you that you didn't know that you were interested in beforehand or you didn't know that you were passionate about beforehand? Yeah, it, 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 it was, it was like, you know, it's almost like being on the tools, but the, the tools that I use day to day now are these, these programs, these Photoshop, that sort of stuff. Like you're not going to excel if you don't try new things, you know, watching videos on how to, how to one, you know, use, use these tools properly to build that solar panel water, water thing. But that, you know, you watch videos on how to, you know, create 3d text in after effects and have that animate in and that sort of stuff. Like you're not, you're not going to upskill yourself unless you try. And where did, where did that 3D solar panel um, shade go? Uh, Bunnings these days? Yeah, I get, I get a little bit of royalties from it every now and again. No, <laughs> 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 no, nah, nah, that um, it was basically, you know, you come up with this, pro, uh, this whole process and you present to it in front of a lot of people at the end of, at the, end of the course. And um, that was a great experience just doing that in itself. But then you, know, you have everything on show and, you know, they move on to the next year. 
And do you think that experience was useful or is that saying you, no, not, not was it useful? Is that saying that you talked to when you were interviewing at Hawthorne looking to secure that role? Yeah, I think it was a different, uh, a point of difference. Like a lot of the people that like we, we, we've just been gone, gone through a hiring process and you find a lot of, a lot of people are in the same sort of boat, you know, do the same, same sort of course at a different, different uni, um, resumes all pretty similar, you know, all that sort of stuff. But you know, if you have something different that makes you stand out a bit more and that's not only one in experience, but also skill set, especially for someone coming out of uni, if you can, you know, show that you're skilled in animation, for example, and you're going for a graphic design role, that's a big tick in anyone's book because you're not only, you know, sticking to the, the basics of what a graphic designer does, you know, as a junior first coming out of uni, but you know, you, you're teaching yourself new things. On that point, like I think it's always good for students to look for, like you say, like what are those peripheral things that they can get better at to differentiate themselves? Like what would yeah. be some skills that you see being necessary in the next, you know, five years to a decade in, in the area that kids could or students could be like, oh, I'm going to go watch some YouTube videos and that and, and practice and get good at that skill? Yeah, definitely VR and AR. Like that, that stuff's going to eventually take over and that'll be something that'll be, you know, pretty common across most sporting, you know, high level elite sporting agencies and that sort of stuff. Like if you can have, at least have an understanding of it, because there's no doubt that technology is going to come our way and we'll have no idea what to do with it. But if you've got, you know, an understanding of how things work and, um, you know, Hawthorne's got their, their own official app, like there could be integrations that you can have, you know, the Hawthorne app open and you can be, you know, holding it up in front of the MCG and you can be looking at this signpost and it's got, you know, a little QR code on it. And then all of a sudden like a player appears and comes out of there. Like if you can understand how that works and create that in, in a sense of, you know, real life, if you have the game, like that experience for fans is just next level. Talk us through, like, let's take that as an, an example. And obviously if you're not across the, the details in the, in the um, software where that's fine, but like, if that was your goal as a student, how would you break that down and be like, I'm going to learn the basics of this and I'm going from kind of zero, but I want to be able to talk about this in an interview. Like what, what would your process be of say like, you know, how you said that you learned, um, you know, InDesign or, or whatever, when you didn't actually know a lot about it, like what's your process of breaking things down and learning it? Um, I personally would just start with just, just Google it, how to make AI videos work. Start with something like that, see what comes up, dive into it a bit more and you'll progressively, you know, learn more and a little more will unfold and you might come across some guy that does something similar and, you know, there, there's definitely sporting clubs across, you know, the NFL and stuff that are already doing this reach out to those people, find, find their, find their name, find where they work, you know, hit them up on Instagram, LinkedIn. And like, if you're a, a student that wants to learn something like these guys would like, if anyone contacted me, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's jump on a call. I'll show you how to do this certain thing. Cause by the end, like the end of the end of the road, like if they enjoy what you're doing, like you can give them a job. Like the, the opportunity is always going to be there. Oh, even if you don't get a job out of it, like say you, you contact someone at some I don't know, MBA club and they reply yeah. to you and you get on a call with them and you'd be like, oh, this guy from this club just showed me how to yeah. do this thing. Yeah. Um, like that's pretty cool. Yeah. The experience in itself would be great. Oh, people love talking about what they're doing, particularly if they enjoy it too. And like most people are friendly people. They like to help like everyone. Most people are happy to have a chat. Yeah, definitely. Especially for like kids that like we were all there 
five years, five, six years ago. Like if someone did that to us five, six years ago, like it'd be a wonderful experience. hundred percent. On that, Kyle, what makes a good graphic designer in 2021 or coming into 2022? And I've got a couple of follow-up questions to that, but why don't you answer that for now? Oh, this is a tough one. This is what we've been actually been asking, asking our um, interviewees. <laughs> <laughs> and their responses have been good. Um, but I think it's just one, you got to know the programs and know um, the process of, you know, receiving a brief, understanding the brief, unpacking it, you know, keeping things, especially if you're working for, for a brand, keeping things on brand. Um, I think honest communication with one, the client that you're working with and, um, and yourself as well, like, you know, really understand what you're going to put out there and make sure it's open and honest with the person who, like, you don't want to go back and forth with changes here and there heaps, but, um, understanding the brief is a big one. Um, sticking to your brand is another big one. Um, but then also trying new things. Like I, I can't, I can't give that value enough. Like if you're going to make yourself stand out and you want to be like a, a great graphic designer, like you need to be, you need to be differential in some sort of way. So a lot of it does come down to understanding how the programs work though. Like there's a lot of things that even I don't know within, within Photoshop, like I'll click on a button and all of a sudden I've opened up this new thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> what, what does this do now? But there's so many different things that you can learn. Um, I think it's just, just having that curiosity to experiment and, um, you know, manage your time and, you know, deliver, deliver the end result, you know, as best as you want. Yeah. I think it's an interesting response because it's based on it. You've taken a first principles approach to, to what is important. And I think mm. from an outside perspective, it, it seems like the, um, the environment in say graphic design or really anything kind of tech related is going to start changing very quickly um, or continue to change very quickly in one year time or five years time or a decade's time. But yeah. if you take that first principles approach of, you know, have open, honest communication, be diligent with what you're doing, know the tools that you need to use to at that particular time to do that particular job. Yeah. Um, it sounds like that that's kind of the basis of continuing to be a good graphic designer, irrespective of what happens and, and what kind of changes in, in, in the environment during that yeah. time. Yeah. Cause no, no doubt naturally it will adapt to the changes anyway. Like that'll, it's going to always happen. Um, and I guess it's sort of being preemptive of that and knowing when the changes do come, but like, yeah, it does come down to the, the core principles and, you know, it, it, it does come down to upskilling yourself as well. I think that's a big one, especially for all, all the listeners that are wanting to get into some sort of role in graphic design, especially in sport. It's just having a knowledge and understanding how things work. Oh, do you have a signature style? Like artists will often like do something a little bit funky or embed something within their, their paintings or drawings. Is there anything that you do to your pieces that, that really makes them stamped with the, the KD tick of approval? Oh, it, it, it's hard. Um, you know, you have so many different little aspects of Hawthorne. So our, our event style is completely, you know, more corporate and that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, our social media style is different to that. And then our community style is more kid friendly and everything. And so it's hard to really have your own influence on things, but you know, I do get told every now and again, someone will know whether I design something as opposed to the other graphic designer. And that's just because naturally you have a little style that, you know, just gets implemented through, through what you're doing. People can pick that up. Um, that's sort of cool to know that, but I don't, I don't go out there and try and make something seem like I've designed it. I like 
first and foremost, I'm designing stuff for Hawthorne. So the brand needs to come across. You're a very good team player. Mate, if you can go back to, if you could, you know, go back and give Kyle 10 years ago some advice or shake him to, to put him on a different path or say, you know, keep going with what, what you're doing, what would you say to him and, uh, and to any other students that are at that stage in their life? I would have watched more tutorials online, I reckon. I think that was something that I didn't do growing up just because purely I didn't know it was there and also didn't know didn't know until I started doing that, that first year of graphic design that that's really what I wanted to do. Um, so going from there and plus also like working in, working in a sporting club, like you don't really, I didn't envision myself working at Hawthorne. It was just something that sort of came across and like the actual story of how I got that job is pretty funny itself. It involves James Gallus and, you know, I was volunteering at St. Mary's where he played footy. I was just doing a few things for their social media sort of stuff. And James actually, um, he found the role. Like I was in my, I probably had six months left of my last year of uni. And um, James actually found that, found that role online, sent it to me. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm still finishing uni. Don't know what's going to be at the end of uni. Um, I was lifeguarding at the time. Like I didn't really know what was going to be, you know, um, out of that. And so then, James sent me this role. I was like, okay, cool, interested. Um, that Saturday night was out for a few drinks. Um, saw someone and we were chatting with we someone I didn't really know, but we were just chatting and he asked what I did and said I was, I was a lifeguard. And like, to be honest, I was like, cool. Okay. Last year of uni, maybe need to get out of just being a lifeguard. So I told him uh, I applied for this job at Hawthorne. Um, applications closed on the Sunday night. I hadn't applied for the job yet. I had, <laughs> and like the biggest fear that I had, and it, it's funny because the biggest fear that I had was that if I ever saw that guy again and he asked me how I went for the job at Hawthorne, if I didn't apply for it, I'd feel so, so guilty. <laughs> Turns out I'd never seen that guy again in my life, <laughs> <laughs> but, but applied for the job that Sunday. And then, um, and then from there just, yeah, things eventuated. And like another, another, probably a good one for listeners to know as well is when you're, when you are going through the hiring process of a design role, especially for a brand, it's really understanding the the brand and not not just doing something because one you think it's it's cool and it's it's your style. Definitely bring that into it. But if you're hiring, if someone's hiring, like if we're hiring a graphic designer for Hawthorne, we want to know that they understand the values of the club. So Hawthorne, you know, being the family club, or being humble and all that sort of stuff. So you know, that's got to come across in in that process as well. So that's probably a good one for, um, for any listeners that want to get into that sort of sporting club or any sort of role that, that it has a brand around it is really understanding the, the core values of it. And just before we wrap up, Kyle, like you, there's a good little point there. Like you went from having a pretty standard uni job as, as a lifeguard and, you know, you could fill in that with working at a supermarket or Macca's or whatever, when you're a, uni student and then you all of a sudden landed a pretty cool job at, at a AFL club. Like what was the change in mentality from being like, Oh, I'm just a lifeguard. I don't really know what I'm going to do. And then on the Sunday night you'd applied for this AFL job mm. and then you ended up getting that. Like what was that mental shift like? And and are there any recommendations you can make to students who are still in that? Oh, I'm just a lifeguard point. Yeah. It, it comes back to like, you know, just, just trying, like I didn't know that, I was going to be any good at doing that sort of stuff for, for Hawthorne. Um, but I just went through the process. I just tried, 
um, you know, it, it's something that you just got to, you just got to try it. And then once you've, once you've, once you've got underway, like, you know, you never know what sort of opportunities are going to come out of it. Like you could, like we, we still contact some people that applied for a job, you know, a couple of years ago that like, we know that, you know, they've got skills that sort of stuff like that. If we ever need any sort of contract stuff, like you never know what opportunity is going to arise. So I think as long as you, as long as you think you want to try something, um, I don't see any reason in not doing it. You'll feel guilty. Like I would have, if I didn't apply just by, <laughs> just by not getting involved. Kyle, I think that they're wise words, wisdom, and a great place for us to leave it today. So thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been awesome to hear about your journey into graphic design and the importance of, of not feeling guilty when you don't do something that you said you'd do. So thank you very much. Yep, exactly. Just give it a go. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a profession you would like to know more about, a question you would like us to ask, or a story you would like to tell, please reach out to us on the social channels at either the Young Professionals Podcast, TYPPAU, or our personal profiles. We'd love to hear from you.